Welcome to the weekly teaching program from Finally Alive Ministries with pastor and counselor Gary Aris. Gary is a full-time pastoral counselor and teacher of God's Word. He has a remarkably deep passion to see people set free in Christ. You may call our prayer line at 657-246-2464 or email at prayer at finallyalive.com. That's prayer at finallyalive.com. Now, let's join Gary as he shares some amazing truth from God's counsel in this week's teaching. Hey, guess what? A wonderful person wrote a wonderful blog about this show, Finally Alive Radio. I'm going to read a couple parts out of it just because I really appreciate uh, what she's done here. She goes as Head Case Christian. Head Case Christian. She has a blog. This blog post will be on the website, finallyaliveradio.com, so you can read the entire blog. And the Headcase Christian says, Recently I had the opportunity to listen to a Christian counselor out of California. I cannot tell you how as a Christian who battles with depression and anxiety, how valuable it is to find a counselor that believes in God and the power of his word. At times, it could be like finding a needle in a haystack. That is one of the greatest benefits of the internet now. We have access to things, information, and people that we may not otherwise have access to. If you're asking yourself, is therapy really a godly approach? Remember that John 14, 26 refers to the Holy Spirit as a counselor. Also, throughout the Bible, we are told to seek, listen, and receive counsel. So good word there. She goes on to say, this can be a pretty large roadblock for someone who needs counseling or merely someone to listen to them. I know from experience that when you're a believer and you're seeking counsel or therapy from someone who is either atheist or agnostic, or maybe simply doesn't feel comfortable to speak of their own spiritual beliefs, this can be very frustrating when you're trying to convey how you seek answers, provisions, and a relationship with God the Father. Having a counselor that understands your belief system, your core values, your identity, because you both follow the one true God, makes your session so much more fruitful. For instance, the Bible is our answer book. So when your counselor knows a verse, when he or she has spent time in prayer and meditating on the word, he or she can share the very words that you needed to hear. That is an extension of God. That is your counselor being the hands and the feet of God in a time when you may be weak. She says, I encourage you to check out Finally Alive Counseling Ministries. They have a Facebook page you can follow and a Twitter. They also have a YouTube channel for you video lovers. Recently, I listened to their radio broadcast and I was thoroughly encouraged by how much scripture Gary used. So often we look to man for answers because it's someone who's tangible right in front of us. We seek affirmation and validation when really we need to be seeking the answers. Whether those answers come with tough decisions and actual participation on our part or not. Gary approaches life and struggles from a biblical standpoint, a thing of which is greatly lacking in this world. Gary does radio broadcasts and postings. I would remind you that even if you think you don't need therapy or counseling, the Bible instructs us to think on good things. The Bible desires for us to seek encouragement and fulfillment through God's word. You can easily do that by simply turning on one of Gary's broadcasts and listening to it. It's a very easy way to refill your vessel with encouragement from God's word. Thank you so much. This is an amazing piece of work and I really appreciate all the wonderful things you're saying about the show and I I really do it. Uh, hope that this show is a blessing to you. And as I told you earlier, you're in my prayers. Again, this blog post is going to be on our website, finallyaliveradio.com, where you can click and read on the entire blog post. 
Again, thank you, Headcase Christian. You are in our prayers. You know, it's nice to hear encouragement. It's always a, a good thing. I mean, or we spoke about criticism a, a couple weeks ago. And I was recently told, you know, Gary, why are you being so passive? If someone is criticizing you, then you need to stand up for yourself and you, you need to stick up for yourself and, and tell them the way it is. You know, you shouldn't give anybody a chance to talk down to you like that. Well, I appreciate that thought, but here's my rebuttal to that. The way I see criticism is in a few ways. I've learned to accept and look at criticism in a different way, probably more of an, more of an objective way, where I'm going to put my emotions aside and really listen, like I said in the other show, really listen to what this person's saying. And what I'm looking for, and you can do this, you can do this in criticism, you can do this in your relationships, at work. Listen to the criticism. See what they're really saying. Where are they coming from? And for the sake of this topic, there's two, two main ways I separate a criticism. One is going to be a matter of fact. If I'm being criticized for maybe using incorrect facts, or if it's using incorrect facts in the sense of maybe I misquoted something or I'm wrong on a certain topic, well, I'm game. I'm all game for that. I want to hear it and I want to discuss it and I want to argue that. And then the second category with criticism is a matter of opinion. My stance is you are entitled to your own opinion. You're allowed to criticize whatever and whoever you want. That goes along with emotion. You can't tell somebody that their emotion is wrong. You know why? Because you're not them. So I meet someone and they say, I feel mad about this certain thing. It's my job to understand why they feel mad, not to tell them that, well, you're wrong. No, I'm not them. I need to understand them. So matter of opinion, you're entitled to it. And guess what? My opinion may be completely different than yours. And you know what? I'm entitled to it. And that's how I keep a smile on my face. Your opinion is yours and mine is mine. And again, quick examples. Someone says, I don't like your show. I don't like you. I don't like your voice. I don't like how you talk. Okay, you're entitled to your opinion. You don't need to like me. That's the beauty of life. If you can accept the fact that everyone doesn't need to like you. For some people, that's difficult. But learn that lesson. In fact, I'll say this. There have to be some people that don't like you. you know, I, I Jokingly, it's, it's actually serious, but jokingly I say, if you want to be liked by everyone, does that mean you want to be liked by the devil too? And we, you know, we have a quick laugh about that, but isn't it true? There are some people, some entities that need to hate you. There are some people out there that need to hate you. In essence, what they're doing is not hating you. They're hating God. They're hating your stance. They're hating your philosophy. If you don't like God, that's, I, I can't change that. That's between you and God. But if a person hates God and doesn't like me, that makes sense. 
And in fact, I'm okay with that because you're not really hating me or you don't really, it's not that you don't like me. You really don't like God because that's all I'm preaching. I'm not the originator of the things I'm telling you. I've learned this stuff by attempting to understand God to the best of my abilities. But that aside, you know, some people are not going to like, you know, certain things about the show. We, we talked about the music, which by the way, I still want to change. I'm, we're still working on that. You know, I, I really never was sold on that song that we, that we're using. Uh, again, it was a copyright thing, so we had to use that. So, uh, but you know what? I might change my mind and I might keep it forever. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, I do have someone uh, who has been working on it. So I, it sounds pretty good so far. So I'm pretty excited about that. But again, someone says, I don't like your show. Great. That's your opinion. You gave me nothing to work with there. It is what I call a personal shot. You take a shot at me. You call me a name. And this is important in relationships. When there's name calling, we get nothing done. So I highly recommend constructive criticism. Name calling does nothing. Constructive criticism, though, can really be helpful. Gary, I think you were incorrect here, and this is the Bible verse to refute what you're saying. Okay, that's now I'm game. I can talk. We have something to talk about. Now we're talking about something, not just personal attacks. I don't play that game. Uh, I think I've grown enough thick skin uh, to, to let those kinds of things just slide because all it's just an emotional attack, and that is the key issue here: is out of control emotions, and out of control emotions. That you know, especially for the show, I'm you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. But going back to the main statement that was told to me that hey, you know, you should deal with this and you should face it head on, and tell them the way it is. No, I'm not going to do that. They're entitled to their opinion. And they can stick to their opinion. Now, if they want to argue, I'm game. Let's, let's argue, but bring me something. Bring me something to work with, not just personal attacks. That's, that's petty and childish. That, that does nothing for anybody. And this is a good lesson on helping. You know, you don't need to help everybody. You don't need to answer everybody. You know, some people want to deal with every single situation. Yeah, some, sometimes you deal with a situation by just leaving it alone. And that's not being passive, that's just being wise, I think. Because not everybody wants help. Once in a while, what I see is people come into counseling and they think that all they're, all they're going to do is just rant. And that's okay. I think everyone does and requires moments of ranting. I think everybody has that. I mean, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing it on the show right now. So we all rant. That's okay. We have to get things off our shoulders here. But it doesn't end there. We have to start to get constructive at some point. But that's the issue. Some people want to cry for help and they will stay helpless because they will not help themselves. And some people will take your help, really gain from it, really learn from it and grow. Not everybody's going to grow. You know, some people are going to make it to heaven on the skin of their teeth, as they say, right? Because though they believed, they pretty much made themselves almost useless. You're not really helping trying to enrich the kingdom of God. You know, you, you can still make it to heaven, but you know, what good is that? What good is that? What good is being on the best team ever, God's team, and not using your talents and your abilities? Regardless, it's all about salvation. If you're saved, you believe in God. It's not your works. That's not what's going to get you into heaven. You'll still make it to heaven. But that said, hey, if you've got gifts, everybody has gifts. We've talked about that. Use them. But you must use them wisely. You know, generally speaking, the moment I leave 
the counseling office, the counseling part of me turns off, generally speaking. Why? Because I've learned that people don't want to be helped. Generally speaking, not everybody, not all the time. It's just a fact of life. Now, there's a difference. Some people look like they want help, but some people just want handouts. You know, that person who's always asking for a little bit of money and I promise I'll pay you back and they never do. Do you help them? It depends. Depends on who they are, what's going on, what has God told you? Do you feel like God is, is moving on you to help them? You know, I don't believe in helping every single person on earth. I, I don't believe that. You know, God does his thing. And, you know, I know this sounds cold. It sounds very cold to some people. I get that. And I'll give you a good example. I have this rule that unless I sense that God is moving in my spirit, I will not give a single dollar to a homeless person on the street. I won't do it. This is why. I was out in LA. This was many years ago. I was out in LA on the street. I was about to cross a street, so I'm waiting on the edge of the street. A man who appears to be homeless comes by, asks for money. Gladly, I gave it to him. He goes into a sock, pulls out a stack of money. I mean, it was a thick wad of money at the time. I didn't have that much money. This person did. That's fine. I'm not even upset about that. What really upset me is he was cursing at me under his breath. Maybe what I gave him wasn't what he was expecting. Maybe he wanted more from me. I don't know. Example number one. Here's example number two. This one, I was out in Santa Barbara. Out with my wife. It was one of our anniversaries. And we were staying at a small hotel over there. And they had like this little outdoor patio. And they had a continental breakfast. So, you know, we grabbed a couple of things. Bagels and things like that. I, and I remember vividly, I had, I, have, I had tea. I typically drink tea. Uh, so I have my tea. We got bagels and danishes and all sorts of things on the table. And a man who appears to be homeless walks up to us and says, hey, you know, you got a couple bucks. And I, and I remember this was about six in the morning. Walks up and says, hey, do you guys have a couple of bucks? And I honestly didn't have my wallet with me. I think we we're about to go to the beach or something like that right after. And I told the person, I said, hey, you know, I don't have any money, but I said, anything that's on the table is yours. You can have whatever you want. So he, he looks at the things on the table, looks at my drink. He says, what are you drinking? I said, it's tea. And, I, and I'm going to quote this person. This, this is what he says. Ugh, I don't drink tea. I drink beer. <laughs> that's almost the way he said it too. Six in the morning, that's what he's telling me. I told the guy, well, like, okay, I can't help you. I can't do anything. That's all I got. Six in the morning, I would imagine you want something, something to eat and something to drink. And I had it right there for him, right in front of him. He took nothing and walked away. I'll give you one last example. I was out with my wife on a double date with a friend of mine and his wife a couple years back. We were waiting to be seated at a restaurant and we were, we were just standing outside and the person comes up and says, Hey, do you know, uh, again, same, same spiel. Can you give me a couple bucks? By, by this time, I'm already kind of burned. You know, I, I don't want to turn my back on people, but I'm getting burned over here. I figured, you know what? Let me try a different approach here. I said, well, look, sir, are, are you hungry? He said, yeah, I'm hungry. 
So look, here's the menu. I grab the menu, take a look, order whatever you want, I'll buy it for you. So he looks, he says, hey, you know what? I'll take some of the soup. I said, okay, fine. I said, we're gonna be seated right now, maybe in five minutes. If you can wait 10 minutes, I'll get you the soup, I'll bring it out myself, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll hand it to you. He says, sure thing. So he, he, stands, he stands about five or 10 feet away. I, we, we go inside, we get seated. I said, do me a favor really quick, if you don't mind, before you take our order, can you put the soup in? I want it to go just really quick and then we can order our food. They said, no problem. They brought me the soup in a nice to-go container. I take it outside, literally, literally, I walked around the entire building looking for this person. I walked around like a fool with a handful of soup to go and help a fellow human being. And he was nowhere to be seen. That's three different experiences, three different places, three different places in my life. But the exact same type of result. What do you make of that? So that's my rule. And I'm not saying that that should be your rule because we're talking about helping. But I've, I've grown and I've learned unless the Lord moves on my spirit and he has, and there have been times when I've given and I don't look back and that's fine. I don't mind helping. Those moments taught me a lesson that you don't help everybody. Everybody doesn't deserve to be helped because everyone isn't looking for help. Those three examples I gave you, I don't think they were necessarily looking for help. I think they were looking for handouts and they didn't get what they wanted every single time. They didn't get what they wanted and they left very bitter. And my stance on that is not my problem. I am not here to enable. We are not here to enable laziness because God hates laziness. We're not here to enable lying because that's another thing God hates. And we are not here for handouts. So I have a very strong stance against that. I've also worked in, uh, years ago, I worked in the money service business. That was probably some of the most eye-opening moments of my life. I saw how people were out to get, to take. And it wasn't every case. A really big lesson I learned is not everybody is out there to make their own life better in the sense of prospering or being successful or growth or spirit, especially spiritual growth. Some people are just out there existing because they've learned that if they cry loud enough, someone will come and pacify them. And you can clearly see that in the last couple of years, speaking politics really quick, I don't really want to get into politics, but you can see that in the last couple of years, what's, what that's done, it's created a, a nation of criers, a nation of squeaky wheels, a nation who is not willing to pick up their own, a nation of those who will not stand up anymore, you know, tying up the bootstraps and walking, not happening. It's a sad state. It's a very sad state that we're in. So I urge you, I really do. All because we're believers in Christ doesn't mean we are required to help every single soul. You pray. You need to be moved in your spirit before you help because sometimes it's just our guilt speaking. It does. It just does. You're human. Who wants to see somebody else suffer? I don't think most people want to see other people suffer. And you know, you know in the heart of hearts, you know what, this is probably the nice thing to do. But I'm telling you, do not be moved emotionally. Be moved spiritually 
which means there's going to be a ton of logic behind your move. There are those who need help to get to the next level, but there are those who will, who will take your help and find their next victim. They'll pull a fast one on you to get them to the next place where they can, they can pull a fast one on them. Don't play that game. Well, because you're Christian, do not be naive in the sense that you just help everybody. No. You help the ones that the Spirit of God tells you to help. Let me read to you Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. It says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he, he is Jesus, he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now remember, this woman's a Canaanite woman. She's not part of the house of Israel. Verse 25 says, But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. Imagine someone going in front of you and bowing down. Please help me. Wouldn't you feel horrible? That would move on you, wouldn't it? I mean, I think that's the point where I, 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 might, I might have crumbled and said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll help you. And look at what it says in verse 26. He says, and he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Did you catch that? Jesus just called this woman a dog. How could he? But that's Jesus. He could never do... No. Jesus. Remember, Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Part of the truth, unfortunately, is going to be that some people are going to be like dogs. So if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, is he lying here? No. I don't think he's lying. Again, there are some people you don't help. There's some people who just don't deserve it. And it's, I know that sounds really cold, but look, we're, we're taking a page from Matthew here, speaking of Jesus, seeing the way Jesus dealt with it. There are leeches in life, my friend. There are leeches. You know that friend who calls you right before church and you're on the phone for two hours trying to help them. And they say, oh, I feel better. Thank you so much. God, God bless you. And now you miss church. And guess what? By six o'clock at night, this person's calling you back. Oh my gosh, another episode. More drama. Some of those are leeches, unfortunately. Not all of them. Not all of them. Because we all have our moments like that. But sometimes there are just people, unfortunately, who are always doing that. They don't want to take the next step. They just want to complain and be stuck in that place. And I get it. Look, the other side to that is it's scary. I understand. It's fearful. What am I going to do if, I'm, if I change? I urge you, do not be stuck there. You make the changes that you need to in life. It's scary, but it's better. That's what life is all about. It's about growth, and growth is never easy. Look, don't be a leech. Quit expecting everybody else to do things for you. You get up. You get up and do what you need to do. Ask for help, but not for the sake of being a leech. 
You know, some people are just about take, 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 take. See, that's the one I'm telling you not to help. You help once, you help twice. Sometimes it's like, come on, guy, you know, haven't you learned your lesson yet? And look, to really be specific about what I'm talking about, for example, let's say you have a friend who is addicted to gambling. You know, every week they go and spend $200 on, you know, lottery scratchers or, or they go to the casino or something and, and that's their rent money. And the end of the month shows up, oh my gosh, you know, I don't have enough money. Woe is me. Well, look, okay, I get it. You might help. Kind-hearted, you know, friend. You've known him for your whole life, maybe. You help him out once or twice. But look, when month three is here and they're giving you the same spiel, oh my goodness, I don't have enough money for rent. And you know this person is spending 200 or so dollars gambling. You don't help anymore. At that point, you have become the enabler. You are part of the reason why this person continues to do what they do. You will be part of the reason why they will not change. Do not do that. I'm very comfortable saying that. But here's where things change. Here's, here's a really good example. This is the next verse, verse 27. It says, but she said, this is that Canaanite woman, that same woman. It says, but she said, responding to Jesus, calling her a dog. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Wow, what an answer, huh? This is what moved Jesus. She proved to be not like the rest of them. Remember, Canaanite is an outsider. Verse 28, Jesus says, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. This woman proved not to be a leech, not to be like the rest of them. She walked her walk and she spoke correctly. She knew who to trust. She wasn't leeching. Now, maybe you're thinking, wow, Gary, you're really being cold here. Haven't you read the parable about the Good Samaritan? But I want you to know the difference of the story of the Good Samaritan and what I'm talking about. The Good Samaritan parable is hugely different. And this is why, and I'll quote Luke 10, verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. They stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. That's the difference. This person you obviously help. This person is clearly a victim. Okay, you help this kind of person. You help a situation like this. This person is not trying to be a leech. A truly unfortunate thing happened here. These cases we help. We do anything that we can. The point of the whole story is, is like, I don't care who it is. I don't care where they're coming from. You help them. But notice the criteria. They have to truly need the help. That's the difference. It doesn't say help everybody. You help the one who truly needs help. You know, it's unfortunate. We've painted Jesus to be a very weak type of man. You know, he wasn't only filled with love, but also with justice, just like his father. 
Speaking of miracles, I mean, I gave you a good example already, but I'm going to give you some more. In Mark chapter 8, verse 11 says, The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Notice some people, they didn't come to him because they genuinely needed his help. They came to test him. This is my point, guys. Not everyone deserves the miracle. Not everyone deserves the help. It says, And Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into a boat again, and went to the other side. Jesus leaves them hanging. He doesn't help. Do you know why? Because even if Jesus did the miracle, it wouldn't matter. They wouldn't believe anyway. That's the kind of leeches I'm talking about. There are going to be people in your life that say, oh, well, you know, woe is me and nobody helps me. And here you are and you help them. And they love you and you're their hero. And you're just a godsend for them. And then one day you can't help them, you know. You're just not available or you just, you just don't have funds available or something to help. All of a sudden you're the enemy. Were they really a friend? <laughs> really think about that. Were they really a friend? Would they do the same thing for you? Doesn't sound like it. In Mark 15, in verse 29, it says, And those who passed by derided him, waging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. This is obviously when Jesus is on the cross. Listen to what people are telling him. People know he's innocent. He was never supposed to be crucified. He committed no sin, but they crucify him and mock him while he's being crucified. I mean, how much lower can it get than that? Then it says, so also the chief priests of all, of all the people, the priests, says, says a lot. I don't, I don't think a lot has changed, by the way. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. See how foolish that sounds? They just got done admitting Jesus saved others. And now they, st they, they still want to see more miracles. I mean, typical, right? Typical people. Why doesn't Jesus get off the cross? How come he doesn't prove them wrong? Because some people are just mockers and that's all they do. Some people don't need your help. Some people don't need your input. And in this case, Jesus doesn't get off the cross because their mockery doesn't outdo God's plan. And God's plan was he had to die on that cross as he did. Three days later, of course, he resurrected. If he got off the cross to prove them wrong, dying and resurrecting would have never happened. So you see, in some cases, some people who want you to prove something or quote-unquote help them will actually take you off your path. Really think about that. That would have taken Jesus off his path. The path that he was supposed to be on. You do not go off the path that God wants you on. The tempters will come with many different faces. Some will cry. Some will mock. Some will praise you to entice you. 
be moved by the Spirit of God. Nothing else and nobody else. Help the person like in the parable of the Good Samaritan who truly needs the help. And if you're not sure, ask the Lord. And sometimes that, that still may not do it for you, but you may need to help the wrong people long enough to learn the lesson that some people are not out there to, to better themselves. They just want to keep doing what they want to do and use you. Do not be an enabler. You know, it really frustrates me to see how people have painted Jesus as if he never said no. You know when Jesus said no? Number one, when it was against the will of God, which umbrellas over foolishness. He said no to foolishness when they wanted a miracle for the sake of wanting a miracle. He didn't do it. He doesn't need to do parlor tricks for you. And by the way, every miracle, I've preached on this before, every miracle has the shallow end, which is, oh, he helped someone. Oh, someone was blind and now they can see. That's the shallow end. That's really not the point of, the, point of that miracle. There's always something deeper when Jesus did a miracle. Have that in the back of your mind when you read about Jesus doing a miracle in the Bible and ask the Lord to really reveal that to you. It's not just the miracle. Read about who's there. Read about where he is. For example, he fed 5,000 with what? Bread and fish. Why does he multiply bread and the fish? Could it be because he calls himself the bread of life? Could it be because he calls his disciples the fisher of men? He goes to a well and talks about living waters. Waters you know not of. I have an abundance of water. And in fact, when you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. What in the world does that mean? He preaches that word to this woman. And this woman becomes an evangelist. And gets a bunch of people believing in Christ. Jesus' moves were all very strategic. If you don't know by now, God is an absolute genius. He moves with purpose. God is not randomness. Satan is randomness. God is very purposeful. And God, God is very logical. It's just us who lack the logic. I hope you understand my heart with what I'm saying. See, I think this lesson is a little bit more sophisticated. Because generally speaking, we as Christians were taught to just help everybody. I would slightly modify that and say... We help by first asking the Spirit of God, what should I do? Which means I'm not going to help everybody. Here's a general rule that might be helpful to you. Who do you help? Helping starts in the house of God. You help your church. You help your family. It starts within. Church and family. And that could be church family, and it could be your blood family. That's where you start. After that, you can spread out. You could spread out to friends. You could spread out to strangers. That's between you and God. But the general rule is God and what does he want? It's amazing. I'll give you some stories about this too. That there have been times when I've helped people, God's people, because I, I thought God was telling me, hey, help this person. And that, that may have been uh, the last bit of my pocket money that I had you know, for that day or a week or whatever. 
lo and behold, someone comes and buys me lunch. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Well, it's simple. I was being faithful. I walked in faith and God took care of me. That's one thing you'll notice about people who are generous. They'll give, but for some reason, typically they're, they're not lacking. I mean, they may not be rich, but they're not lacking. It's amazing when you're charitable, what happens? When you've got a giving heart. I encourage people, be, be a giver. Definitely be a giver. Do not lack in giving. That's one thing you don't want to lack in is giving. In fact, Paul says, be a cheerful giver, meaning be a, it's, it's the Greek word hilario, like a hilariously give, just give cheerfully, but give with discernment. As Jesus would say, you don't give pearls to swine. That's out of Jesus' mouth. You don't give pearls to swine because obviously they're going to trample on it. They don't know what to do with it. So your giving must also be appropriate, but again, be led by God. So my friends, give accordingly. Be a giver, but give appropriately. I hope this message was a blessing to you. God bless you. Thank you again for joining us on this week's program with pastor and counselor Gary Harris of Finally Alive Ministries. We pray that if God has touched your heart with any part of today's teaching, you would respond and move into the healing that God has for you. Visit us at finallyalive.com. There, you can download this episode for free email your concerns, questions, or share a story of how God is using this teaching to help you grow in Christ and His freedom. If you'd like to call our prayer line, you may do so at 657-246-2464. That's 657-246-2464. Or email at prayer at finallyalive.com. We'll meet you again next week at this same time when we look at God's Word with pastor and counselor Gary Harris and learn how to finally be alive in Christ.